We are overconnected and overworked. We suffer from social and technology overload. We rarely experience the joy of solitude or the respite of nature. We're always on. We never turn off. That's why we started the Getaway Podcast. I'm John Staff. And I'm Pete Davis. And in this podcast, we are going to bring in guests who talk about these problems. Overworked, overconnectedness, being too crowded, being uh, too plugged in in this always-on world. But in this very first episode, we wanted to introduce ourselves and tell you a little bit about our story because we have a very personal connection to the subject matter. We're the founders of Getaway. Getaway puts tiny cabins in the woods and rents them out to folks looking to disconnect and recharge. It's really about doing nothing. The idea is the city's too crowded, we work too much, we're too connected to our technology, and Getaway is a time and a place to escape from that. John and I have been friends since college, and Getaway didn't just pop out of nowhere. It emerged out of these conversations that John and I have been having for years now. You remember the conversations, John? Barely. Okay, let it's me refresh been a while. your memory. Uh, it's, we're coming up on like 30, 40 years friends now. More <laughs> like 10 years or so. And um, the conversations were always, you know, we were always project people. So we knew this would eventually emerge as a project, but it's coming out of our passion. You know, we, John grew up in uh, in rural Minnesota in a small town. How many people were in your town? Originally 54, now 29. You know, John could move back and bring it up to 30. <laughs> um, and uh, and we talked about how, you know, we we love the woods. Something was off about modern life. You know, the answer is not in fighting online. The answer is not in all being alone, watching giant screens. The answer is not working all the time, you know, building personal brands. It's about something deeper, something more human. And John and I being products... John and I being projects guys wanted to not just talk about it, but turn it into something. And out of that emerged getaway. It's important to me. And I think you, Pete, that folks know this comes from a personal place, which included our own stories of burnout. Right. So, you know, the company, I guess, has ended up being a little bit on trend. Like we feel I feel fortunate. You feel fortunate that folks have connected with what we've done. But I remember those early conversations, which really were about, I just think we can stick a tiny cabin in the woods, and I want nobody to call me, email me, text me. I want to have a campfire. <laughs> I don't want to see anybody. Yeah, th- this is the problem. This, we make this joke a lot, but it's because it's deeply true, which is that John and I wanted a cabin in the woods for ourselves. <laughs> and, um, and we said you know, oh, let's make a project about cabins in the woods. And that's and it's become getaway. And, you know, we get to go have cabins in the woods ourselves, but it's much more complicated. It's always that. work. Yeah. <laughs> so we need we need more competitors. Actually, when we go to getaway cabins, we're thinking about how to improve the design or something. <laughs> Not really able to get away. But um, we're glad other people can. Um, and we can give this, this spirit to other people. And w- the discovery through doing this project is that we're not alone. This sounds like such a business, He like it's the thing I'm supposed to say, but we were really surprised with those first cabins, how people reacted to it, right? Like now we say it's all about disconnecting and recharging and wellness, hospitality or whatever, whatever, and we built this brand. Uh, but at that time, we it was such a goofy idea and a goofy project. Uh, we actually didn't have any idea it would have any success at all. And we've got a long way to go, but we've, you know, we've found some success as a result of sticking three cabins in the woods of New Hampshire and saying, here's a place where you can go. It's nowhere special. In fact, we're not going to tell you where it is. 
Uh, all we're going to tell you is that it's in nature and it's quiet and that there's no Wi-Fi. And we were genuinely surprised that within 24 or 48 hours of putting those first three cabins online, they sold out for, what, months. six months or something. Yeah. And we were genuinely surprised. I mean, we thought that no Wi-Fi would get us hate mail. And in fact, we got love notes from folks that said, thank you for not having Wi-Fi. And when I turned the last corner, my cell phone you know, bars dropped to one, and that was such a welcome relief. And so from hearing that from our guests, we you know, rolled out the cell phone lockbox and other things that allow you to disconnect uh, more genuinely and more deeply. Um, but it was really to our surprise to the extent, because we said, we think it's cool, we want to go to the woods in a cabin, but on the other hand, it's cabins. You know, and it's cabins are, I don't know, 500 years old, a thousand years old. It goes back to cave times (laughs) as some of the, you know, we agree. There are these cynical YouTube commenters or, you know, some people deep in the news articles about us that are like, they've just built cabins. They've just built. cabins. Yeah, that's all we've done. We agree. We totally agree. We've disrupted nothing. We did nothing. (laughs) We just built cabins. People like them. We like them. You'll probably like them. Pete, I want to talk about you because you're a problem. <laughs> I think that you don't even have to say it, John. I feel it about myself. <laughs> you and I, but we're talking about you now, have gone through moments of great imbalance in your life. Yeah, I'm probably in one you. right now. <laughs> and so I want, I, want to, I want to hear about some of those moments when you just kind of burnt out. And then if you have any optimism for us, share anything that's worked to get back in balance in your life. I have discovered some rituals that when I've done them once, it's really helped and I hope I can just lock them in. So for example, having really hard lines um, instead of just like having the willpower fight every time, instead having rules is very useful. So for example, I've tried my best when I'm at meals with friends to do phone stacking, which is you like stack your phones face down at the front or just saying, you know, I'm making a deal with my fr- uh, subconscious deal with my friends where I'm not going to be a good texter and I'm not going to be a good emailer because like I want to just live in the moment. But the trade-off with that is when we're with each other, let's have that be a really deep and good time. I've also loved going to rivers and lakes and going on hikes. And w- part of the reason I love them is it's a time when you're walking when you have to be, you know, if you get in the water, you can't bring your phone with you. And I've wondered, like, what is it about them that I love? And I think it, part of it is that you can't bring your phone with you. What about you, John? Do you have practices that have worked with you? One thing I've realized is that it just has to be constant experimentation in my life, and it has to be individually fit, right? So we run a company. We now have a whole bunch of folks working here. And I keep trying to, like prescribe one-size-fits-all solutions to, you know, giving everybody the ability to work hard and do great work, but also have balance in their lives. And I've not been very successful at that. Um, I've been more successful in trying to help myself and individuals figure out what works for them. One of the things, though, that has worked really well for me is working, dividing my work between what I call coordination, what we call coordination, and deep work. So coordination is emails, meetings, talking to other people, which is work and important, right? We, we have to, at least in what we do and what most of us do, interact with other people, and that's uh, productive. But the, the thing that gets lost in most organizations, in my experience, is the time for what you would call deep work or production or thinking or whatever it is. And I found that I just need to block off that time and treat it as sacred. 
And what is, you know, sometimes I try to, I'll block like a half hour or 15 minutes or whatever. And that doesn't work. It has to be for me, you know, four hours, five hours. And if I do that, I both, you know, get quote unquote, get more done. Um, but, but what I get done is usually deeper. And the other crazy thing about it, and I err and I forget to do this and it falls by the wayside. But the other thing is when I do it successfully, I just feel better. I feel I'm in a better mood. I sleep better. I come back to work the next day and I'm better to be around. And we know all this stuff from the studies and I talk about it. Um, but it's always such a surprise and positive reminder to me after I do it that um, you can actually take control. Yeah. In some ways, when we say we hate work, what we say, what we one of the, probably the proverbial we, the, when, the when, great yeah, we. When one says that they I like, love work. are burned out by work yeah. or they hate work or work deadens them, I think a huge portion of it is the coordination aspect of work. It's meetings and emails and the forms you have to fill out to get to the, the formats you have to do to get to the content of the work. And what they love about work is that productivity time is that what Cal Newport calls deep work um, because that's like the time when you're creative the time when you're kind of putting in your heart into something and we have to start thinking about you know we often talk about the three different types of time production coordination and leisure leisure and production actually when like really cordoned off when really production is like you quietly in a room or you with your collaborators like working on something in a passionate creative way or leisure when you're really not answering your work emails or checking something far away um, they actually are kind of twins they feel really great and actually when you get all your creativity into one box and get all your leisure and free time into another box the coordination becomes less stressful it doesn't feel like an invasion it doesn't feel like it's taking away from the other two times and you're actually more happy when you're answering emails and and having meetings so um that's that's one thing we're trying hard for at Getaway. One thing I'm excited to explore in this podcast is all these tensions, right? And we all, I think our brains are wired like I always want there to be a simple solution and we'll just figure it out. But we have to recognize there are tensions between the solution different, is soylent. Different, different things we value. Um, you know, the tension between collaboration, which we value, right? We value working with other people, uh, the tension with that and the need for deep work and alone time. Well, and let's talk about a wonderful site of that tension, the open office fight. Ten years ago, every article in those, you know, cocktail party magazines that you quote, everyone quotes from, you know, uh, oh, did you read in the recent Atlantic piece, um, was all about how every office was becoming an open office. And literally now, all the articles Build are the walls. about Build the wall. they're ending the open office. And that's the tension of an open office allows for more fruitful, spontaneous coordination and a closed office allows for deep thought deep work i'm also interested in the tension between what i'll call excellence in your work and balance in our lives like some people you know i think there are some people that want all balance right that want to work as little as possible and there are some people that i think genuinely if perversely just want to work all the time i think most of us are in the middle we want to do really good work whatever our work is but we also want to live lives of balance that has space for all the good stuff that isn't work. And those things are really hard to trade off in a world where, you know, we're all connected all the time and you can always do more. Well, and that's on an individual level, but that's also on a policy level too. You know, when you have 
paid sick leave or paid family time, the first question everyone asks is, how is that going to affect productivity? How is that going to affect businesses getting things done that they need to get done? But which is fine. Important question to ask every constituent should have their say. But what about the opposite thing, which is what's a world when you don't have that? How's that going to affect family time? How's that going to affect reflection time? How's that going to affect leisure time? People treat that as like a second class thought to the productivity question. And um, we want to balance those out. And then I'm interested in this tension between, you know, what I will call uh, the selfish and the civic, which is, should we be spending, you know, to what extent do we need to be examples of living lives of balance versus to what extent do we need to be working as hard as we can to make sure other people can have more balance in their lives? And is that a question just for us? <laughs> I think it's a question for anybody who cares about these things. We're going to have all these people on the podcast that are working on providing more balance for folks. Well, yeah, like, this is very interesting. It's the great uh, it's the great irony of the podcast and all the people we're going to have on, which is that if you're building the alternative, you might not be able to live the alternative while you're building it. You know, it's like yeah, whether uh, that's a, a company you're building, you know, a h- hardware device you're you're trying to put into the world or a, a book you're writing that makes these points or you're trying to be a journalist tracking down these trends. You know, and it, it's not obvious to me. Like I, I get the I get the risk of hypocrisy of if you're, you know, care about putting things into the world that allow people to live lives of balance that you should probably live a life of balance so as not to be a hypocrite. On the other hand, everything's hard, right? Like if you want to do something great in the world. It's not obvious how to do it. It's not easy to do it. And it can be really tempting to pour pour more time and attention and energy into that thing for a really sincere reason, which is you care about that thing being in the world so it can touch a whole bunch of lives for the better. There's also a real interesting history to these counterbalancing. Like people have tried before, you know, in 1910, President William Howard. Oh, boy. (laughs) President William Howard Taft, you know, the president that got caught in a bathtub. uh, He proposed a two to three month summer vacation for everyone in America. Let's not shame President Taft. (laughs) You know, John Muir, the famous guy who started, you know, discovered Muir, Muir, Muir. He he proposed compulsory vacationing, just like compulsory schooling. And uh, there's a whole history to how we got the, the weekend, the history of the weekend and all these other fights for um, for finding balance in our life. The numbers, if you just look at it in terms of like screen time, it's getting, you know, I'm sounding like, you know, your, your dad yelling at you for sitting too close to the TV, but we spend eight hours a day consuming media. Um, a lot of that is just, you know, staring at screens. Kids <laughs> are spending six to seven hours a day staring at screens. Uh, And it's really affecting our generation. You know, half of people surveyed have said that a mobile phone has spoiled a key moment in their life. Millennials are having more senior moments, you know, forgetting their keys than actual seniors are. And there's interesting science of what causes this. You know, the Internet teaches us to isolate pieces of information as little bite-sized digestible nuggets. You know, everyone wants the listicle or the tweet. But actually, the way we learn is not gathering a giant bucket of random facts. We learn by building networks of meaning in our brain. And the way you build networks of meaning is having space to take something in as a whole, to reflect on it, to build that network of meaning in your brain. That's not going to happen by just like piling tweet, 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 fact, list, list, list on top of one another. 
that's not how you uh, build knowledge. I feel like we should give you the opportunity to talk about Joseph Pieper. I love Joseph Pieper. I'm the resident weirdo <laughs> of the podcast. Joseph Pieper was this Catholic theologian who wrote a book called Leisure, the Basis of Culture. In when, like the 50s? Yeah, it was very, yeah, very early. It wasn't even, I think it wasn't even post 60s. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> the 50s, <laughs> I think. Um, and Leisure, the Basis of Culture was about this idea that he was about this idea that he called holy leisure. You know, usually yeah, he, he wrote about how, you know, leisure in culture today was often talked about as like, oh, you know, you could play tennis or something. It's like the set of things you do when you're not at work. And he wanted to write this book that dignified leisure that said leisure could be the center of our culture and work could be what we do when we're not having leisure. And that there is actually a state of mind that you have leisure. It's not just a collection of activities. For example, leisure is a time when you celebrate life, you don't criticize life. And think about that difference. A lot of our time, we're walking through the world, we're analyzing things. We're saying this is bigger than that, that's more important than that, that's good, that's bad. When you're in leisure, you're often just taking it all in and you're saying this is all great, you know, <laughs> or at least it's better than nothing. And think about, um, you know, we've had, there was this other um, Benedictine uh, thinker who said, think about the heart. The heart, what's amazing about the heart beating is it compresses and then it releases. It has this two-part thing of being on and then being off. And, you know, if our life, if the heart was just like compressing without releasing, where would we be? And in our lives, we need to have sometimes when we're putting on our analysis hat, but then having other times when we're putting on our celebration hat. That's I'm going to buy you a celebration hat, John. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our first episode. We're excited to have you with us. If you want to learn more about us or our guests or what we're doing, visit getaway.house slash podcasts. And we want you to be a part of the conversation. If you have ideas about how to bring more balance to people's lives, if you're struggling with some sort of imbalance in your life that, that you think would be interesting for us to know about, email us at podcast at getaway.house or leave us a voicemail at 323 616 2929. Could you say that number again? It's 323-616-2929. I want to thank Johnny Fung for the great music and the audio engineering and our producer, Alexandra De Palma, and the entire Getaway team for bringing this together. Finally, as a thank you to you, you can go to that URL, getaway.house slash podcast, if you want to check out Getaway and receive $25 off your first booking. We'll be back soon. This time, it won't just be us. Don't worry. We'll have a guest. <laughs>